we understand that all these organizations have a motive in not letting ukraine become a full member but also have an interest in not letting ukraine completely be out because they want to make sure that the issue is always hot the issue stays the, the situation stays volatile taki russia involved rahe sare issue mein taki you know it would continue to pose a threat to russia Hello and assalamu alaikum everyone and welcome to the 8th episode of Let's Talk Pakistan a podcast where we discuss everything from global issues to tech updates Before the episode begins it is worth mentioning that at the time of recording the date was 17th February 2022 so all the events are referenced accordingly Now back to the episode Today we have with us Ms Ifram Khan who is a dear friend of mine from university Ms Muskan works as a research associate with Nuvercus with a keen eye for security policy and international relations i requested her here on this podcast to come and shed some light on the ongoing ukraine crisis welcome to the podcast afra thank you so much afan how are you i'm good thank you so before we actually begin asking what asking afra about the whole crisis i would just like to update people on some recent events that have happened today at the time of the shooting of the episode so as of almost one hour ago us president joe biden issued a statement that said that russian invasion invasion of ukraine is now a very high risk threat and added that the but added that a door of diplomacy is still open for the russian diplomats speaking at the reporters at the white house biden said that every indication washington had suggested moscow was prepared to go into ukraine within seven days similarly on the other hand nato secretary general has also voiced concern that russia may be attempting to stage a pretext for an attack on ukraine following reports of shelling in the country's conflict hit east Uh, the secretary general's warning delivered at the alliance headquarters in brussels today came amid com- competing claims from russia that uh, that there were there is no such thing happening over there and and with that i'd like uh, effort to actually explain the historical context of how we got here because this very thing is on the verge of actually escalating into a war and uh, if we're just letting people here know that we did an episode earlier on ukraine crisis as, as well where in january where we actually discussed the whole situation and we uh, i talked to a journalist and we talked about how uh, this crisis could escalate in the future uh, but then we were of the view that this crisis would not escalate that much because then the current incumbent uh, government in germany was very new uh mr Sh- uh, mr sholof and uh similarly uh, we we believe that the economic economic burden of this whole thing uh would be very too much too much for both sides to actually take on continue with the war but we see today that the war is a possibility and we see that even uk yesterday uh, yesterday announced to double its forces inside uh inside us uh inside ukraine sorry not in us ukraine uh but then they they said that they'd only be doing some export sizes and withdrawing uh withdrawing the army and if i check here 
the country was Estonia, not Ukraine. So to further elaborate on that, I'd like if I, for you to tell us what this issue is about. So let's get a bit of a context. Uh, let's put this whole thing into a bit of a context, the historical perspective so we can start. Um, we know that Ukraine used to be a part of Russia or after Cold War, ke baad, Russia broke down into separate states and Ukraine got separated. Jo, there's this bordering area between Russia and Ukraine, which is basically known as the Donbass region, where there are people who sort of have this affiliation with Russia, but are legally a part of the Ukrainian territory, or they come under Ukrainian sovereignty. I mean, Ukraine has sovereignty over that area, but Russia also extends claims over them. Um, this Crimea, tha, which was towards the south, or this could be Russian uh, claims, tha, which and Russia eventually annexed Crimea in 2014. So we know that there are many uh, territorial issues between these two states, and they have been like this for a long time. Ukraine, mein, um, there are, you can say, three types of political parties, or they, uh, the Ukrainian political culture is divided into three parts. There are pro-Russian people, there are completely pro-Western, pro-EU people, and then there are people who are sort of in between, you know, who have much more focus on uh, domestic politics and regional issues as opposed to, you know, completely aligning with Russia or the West. So, when we talk about the current president, I think his name is Zelensky, the current Ukrainian yeah. president, yeah, he's completely anti-Russia. So he wants to align with the West and the EU. Whereas if we go two, 10 years back, the president who was there from 2010 to 2014, he was completely pro-Russia. So we can say Ukrainian politics itself change hoti rehti hai, and the people themselves are divided so much that the East wants to align with Russia, whereas the West, Ukraine, wants to align with the EU and the West. And because the current political leadership wants to join the, the European Union and wants to be a part of NATO, right now Ukraine is in the middle of a crisis, middle of a crisis, Russia wants to make sure that its borders do not have hostile NATO armies, whereas Ukraine wants to maintain, uh, Ukraine wants to join the NATO to make sure that it is safe from any potential Russian invasion. Because we, we want to talk about this Donbass region because Russia says, you know, we should have more control over it. And because Ukraine's territorial security is a threat in Oria, Ukraine thinks that joining NATO would give it some sort of or some semblance of security from any potential Russian invasion. But we all see how that is being unfolded because if there is any chance of Ukraine joining NATO, the Russia would automatically, you know, want to go on the offensive because naturally its borders are being threatened. Yes. So yeah. this is a bit of a context just to have Ukraine go place there. Um, there's a constantly changing political environment. Some people want to join the EU, some want to join Russia. Uh, but right now, the major wave within Ukraine is pro-West or pro-EU. And these are the people who have sort of taken over, especially in Kiev, which is the capital of Ukraine. And we that their president is telling Russia, like openly telling them that, you know, we're not afraid of an invasion, we'll give you a full-blown response if you try to invade Ukraine. And we saw that how they're already, they've already faced a situation where Russia has a which according to Russia happened through a referendum. But let's not get into that because we all know how referendums yeah. can be manipulated and how they have been manipulated in the past. Uh, but right now, it's interesting to see the role that the US is playing here because like on the map, US is far from Russia and Ukraine. So this region does not technically come under the US. But of course, US has its influence across the country, uh, across the world. So naturally, US wants to make sure that anything that any element that can suppress Russia or China, US would be standing by that country 
be it India or any other power, you know, that can sort of act as a counting force in the region. So, hum, uh, this started off as an issue between two countries on border because it's their border, is their security that is being threatened, but how it has now involved the entire world in the midst of it because uh, these two major cold power, cold war wali powers are now sort of having a standoff, US and Russia, with Ukraine, you know, acting as a pawn, <laughs> West pawn. Yeah, exactly. You're very right when you talk about NATO as being the very center of this whole issue. Uh, so, uh, as as of today, uh, as of today, Zelensky actually said that Ukraine's best best, as you yourself said, is joining NATO. Um, so they said that it is not about a political ambition or joining uh, the alliance as a part of uh, any ambition for the country. But rather, they say it's a part of their survival, right? Ukrainian Ukrainian reader has a statement here. He said that we've lost 15,000 people. It's about our life and it's about the future of our people. So though basically NATO, they're actually uh, the, the current leader of Ukraine is actually uh, comparing that to the independence of Ukraine. Okay? So that is what it's about for them, right? So that is the picture that is being painted in on one side. On the other hand, there is Russia, right? Russia is saying that all that they're doing on the borders is that they're having these exercises with Belarus, right? And they're saying that uh, once these exercise, these exercises are completed by 20th of February, so they'll be leaving the uh, area. On the other hand, what uh, what the uh, Western media has been claiming in fact, uh, as of I am just reading this update, which says that uh, Russia has actually expelled uh, U.S. Uh, envoy. Uh, U.S. envoy. Uh, wait a second. Uh, so, which basically this, uh, yeah. So the DCM, which is the Deputy Chief of Mission, has been expelled from Russia. So we don't know what sort of action this is going to provoke because this is just latest news. But this shows that the issue is clearly still uh, escalating. Or on the other hand, we had Russian foreign minister and uh, Russian spokesperson, government spokesperson, who came on uh, television today and he said that they have uh, they have actually drafted a list of uh, uh, demands from US. So they said that the only uh, steadfast demand is that they should the NATO, the US should not allow Ukraine to join. Uh, the NATO, right? So that, see, they say that as long as that demand is met, we're actually uh, we're actually okay with moving forward the negotiation process. So, ये तो एक चीज होगी कि वो negotiation process like काफी दुनिया के जो अभी इस वक्त रेलिस्ट हैं, वो कह रहे हैं कि ये जो दोनों तरफ से आई क्योंकि यूक्रेन ने भी हिंट दिया कि हम फॉरेन जॉइन नहीं कर रहे कर कर रहे NATO ठीक है? उन्होंने जो अपनी वो when you talk about Russia, Germany has always been the go-to. Germany is one country that is like in the center of this whole issue. Or even uh, for example, North Stream 2, which is 
which is supposed to double uh, US uh, Russian gas supply to Europe, right? And uh, this this pipeline is actually going to bypass uh, Ukraine and it's going to go to Baltic Sea. So according to according to some international organizations and some who who are actually uh, favoring Russian bloc, they're saying that this this actually is a response from Ukraine because currently, again, Nord Stream one Nord Stream simple Nord Stream uh, it 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 also bypasses uh, Ukraine. So uh, if 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 there is no Nord Stream, the gas has to pass through Ukraine. Because so that gives Ukraine a edge an edge over uh, Russia because Russia has uh, Russia has a lot of their economy dependent on gas supply to Europe, right? So, आप हमें थोड़ा economic इसमें बताएं कि इसके जो पूरा है, for example, because we see this escalating, इसका international relations or economics पे क्या impact आएगा in the long run? So interestingly, um, in fact, ironically, a few days ago, in fact, right at the end of January, Zelensky himself told the West not to create panic because Russian stock market was having direct impact, was being directly impacted by all these tensions that were being created by the West, especially the US. So the statements they say that, you know, on February 16th, we should we can see a Russian invasion of Ukraine. Up 16, there was no invasion. Russian uh, accounts are itself, the Russian government accounts are tweeting that we have invasion, ki, you know, we're rolling back our forces. So, of course, conflicting reports are Russia is saying that, you know, we're going back, EU and Ukraine and maybe the US sources are saying that Russia is still on the borders. So, Ukrainian market itself is being impacted by this. One major issue. Second, Germany has always tried to play a more neutral role. When we Crimean annexation, Germany was the one that was trying to be more um, more of a mediator between the two because if Crimean Peninsula crisis German gas supply directly affected and we know that Russia is the major supplier of this of gas in this region. So EU countries are only left with two options if they don't Russian gas. They could either get LNG from US or Qatar. And Qatar said that we cannot meet any shortage of gas in the region because we cannot give you know, infinite amount of infinite supply of gas yes. to your Union. So naturally, pay their only main source of supply is Russia. So yes. sensible countries like Germany that you know completely depend on their economy, well, they they cannot take the risk of uh, being in Russia's bad books or you know trying to escalate a situation this may could eventually turn into a war because the entire European Union will be threatened. The European continent will be threatened. So we understand that Russia is holding a lot of cards in its hands because of this, because of being a major exporter of gas. Of Nord Stream 2, ki baat toh, EU ne kaha hai ki, you know, if there's a war, then Nord Stream 2 will not go ahead. I mean, of course, naturally, if there's a war, then it will not go ahead. Gas supply, the continent itself will be completely, you know, destructed or something. But uh, we don't think that this is going to happen because Ukraine itself is sensible. Economically, Ukraine understands that any escalation that will turn into a war or any large-scale conflict is going is directly going to impact these two countries. Or Russia is other Ukraine's key economy affect because Russia is a huge country. It has many other uh, you know resources. Or it has many other ways to stabilize its economy or support its economy. But Ukraine does not. And it's also funny because if you think about it, why is it so that NATO still has not um, yeah. accepted Ukraine as a member and we see because of article 5 because article 5 states that if one NATO country is threatened the entire NATO members or the entire NATO membership will join hands and 
protected country. For a country like Ukraine that regularly has issues or skirmishes with Russia, so kitni nafa NATO intervene karegi? So it's funny, but I think that the US is trying to just sort of ignite the situation because it's about Russia or you know when things are about China, it's automatically sare wo log bure ban jate and whichever country is on the other hand, US naturally is to support it. But I honestly don't think that NATO is ever going to take Ukraine into its fold because then NATO will have to intervene in every conflict and they just cannot afford that. They literally just got out of Afghan war. So the Iraq war, how many wars already led to them because of its members? So this whole thing just seems something that is completely being blown out of proportion just because one country wants to maintain its superiority over the other. Yeah, it is very interesting because the economic aspect is not stream. It's very interesting because just now you said that. US wants to have this ascendancy over Russia and it still mm-hmm. continues to want to have some control over uh, how how things are run in Russia and they they want to have this very idea ke okay or uh, or we've known this this is a very well known fact that uh, US has actively actively tried to uh, uh, basically uh, uh, stop this Nord Stream 2 from happening right because uh, it, it even uh, president biden who is uh, the incumbent president of the us he has said that he'll uh, he, uh, the statement says that he'll try to he'll bring it to stop okay but on the other hand it's not not stream which is already built russia has spent a whopping 11 billion dollars on building this pipeline and if it is actually became, uh, uh, turned functional so this would actually and uh, uh, us's control over russian gas supply in in europe because what what will happen is uh, uh, that that because it's bypassing uh, ukraine so the that will leverage that ukraine has right now and nato has by extension uh, of cutting off this gas supply from russia to europe that will end right so and by uh, and by that uh, that means that nato loses some of its control in in europe and and it is very interesting because uh, it, jo humne last time bhi ukraine pe discussion ki thi us pe haris haris bhai ne he explained it very well how uh, how this whole region it is boxed in and and russia is trying a way out or jo uh, if ukraine gets uh, gets under nato as well this means this means a permanent blockade from uh, for russia from all sides right so so on the other hand if russia actually succeeds jo ke basically nord stream 2 ban gayi hai but germany has yet to approve it right so agar agar germany approve kar deta hai theek hai that would be a game changer for uh, us oil uh, us gas as well because us ki gas jo europe ko aati hai it is way way more expensive than uh, than the russian offers right or second part ye hai ki europe ke paas is time although nato is trying its best to actually speed up the process europe does not have a lot of storage reservoirs theek hai for gas so this actually creates problems or jahan tak aapne kaha ki aspirate nahi hoga so i agree because abhi bhi winters chal rahi hai theek hai or uh, they need this gas to survive So yeah, you're right over there. Okay, so it a bit yeah. It's funny how the US is saying that you know they will bring it to a stop because what means do they have? Yeah, but the sanctions will be added, and then sanctions are naturally going to hurt EU countries too. 
so all in all whatever us does to bring this gas supply or this gas pipeline to a stop it's going to hurt the eu in return and that the us cannot afford because eu and us are partners so naturally they're going to have to sort of swallow the pill and you know going to be going to have to let russia go ahead with this gas pipeline chahe woh ukraine ko bypass kar jaye baltic pe jaye but eventually it's going to happen because this is how russia is going to maintain its superiority in the region us is just going to have to deal with it yeah and also uh, it is very interesting because uh, the point of both russia and ukraine uh, russia and ukraine are world, one of two world's biggest wheat exporters okay or uh, russian or ukrainian wheat jo hai it is bought by almost all the entire world okay or uh, no, not exactly european countries but a lot of it goes to uh, mina region okay middle east north africa mein it's all a russian and ukrainian uh, ukrainian wheat that's been sold over there so mera ab main ab thoda sa na isko leke jaana cha raha hu irk usme theek hai to ab iske andar mera ye hai ki what do you see how do you see this situation actually unfolding in the future ki aapko kya lag raha hai ki kis tarah ye relationship relationship aage padega because we've seen december se to even november december se this issue started and a lot of security analysts have been saying ke yaar this won't escalate any further or even january mein jo meri baat hui thi jo gas aaye the even he said ke the he does not see it escalating but against all the odds even today uh, issue keeps on escalating jis tarah maine latest updates bataye to aap bataye ab aap kya dekh rahe hain I also don't think that it will it will escalate to a point where there will be a full-fledged war or because we all understand that these countries Ukraine does not have nukes but Russia does have nukes and so does the US and it's funny how Ukraine gave up its nukes because they sort of had an agreement with Russia like you know you will not invade our borders and we saw how that unfolded you know Russia went ahead it took away Crimea so you know never make such promises and give up your weapons but um I I still don't it's also interesting to note that uh, most of the countries around the world understand how Russia is actually threatened by the presence of NATO mm. and even countries like India have not supported Ukraine in this issue every country understands that you know NATO is already present around Russia itne sare borders pe to maujood hai you know they are there in eastern europe they have bases around the world so US effectively has control of this region so we do understand why Russia is being threatened but i don't think that this will turn into a full fledged war i feel that sense will prevail ukrainian president himself has been giving statements telling the us not to make this a big issue ukrainian market itself understands how this is going to uh, affect them ukrainian population itself is divided into parts so people are supporting russia so when a major chunk of your population does not want a war when people themselves are telling you to give up this idea of joining nato for the moment and we think that this is what's going to happen eventually you know even if ukraine wants to join nato nato itself will not take ukraine in just because of what we discussed right now like a while ago because of the collective security clause yeah and um, the mina region and all these countries all these countries will uh, turkey itself has uh, offered to be a mediator between the two we see how these countries are trying to play some role in uh, deescalating the situation so from ir perspective Uh, I don't think that there is going to be any outright support for either party, except for the U.S. or you know a few EU countries that have it in their favor, in their interest to support Ukraine, uh, because of obvious reasons. But uh, there's there's no evidence of how um, 
you know, dominant powers of the world other than Russia and uh, US are taking sides in this whole fiasco. So um, it's probably just going to re-escalate in a while because all these countries understand it, the stakes are high. You know, we cannot afford another war. Anything that starts now will turn into a World War Three. The world also cannot afford a Cold War where these countries could, you know, make their blocks and sort of, you know, block, uh, not talk to each other or not have trade with each other because of how interconnected the world is right now. It's important for them to, um, to interact with each other. And even countries like Pakistan, you know, Pakistan, Afghanistan, all these are joined with Russia with another pipeline. So it's all in our interest to make sure that something like this does not spread to on such a level where it would be very hard for people to go back, you know, to, to to sort of go back to a point where it's not going to be done. So it's important to, you know, um, it's important to yeah. de-escalate the situation, right? Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, I, I understand that. But on the other hand, Russia has, Russia has been like telling the world again and again that we are not, this, not doing this. Okay? Hmm. And it is very interesting because uh, when UN basically how this all came to the front was US and uh, Russian envoys actually met at the closed door meeting at some UN uh, UN conference uh, at the end of January I I believe so what happened was that after the meeting the uh, this meeting went hot and a lot there was a lot of sparring between two envoys so when uh, in a post meeting briefing. The Russian envoy said that the the Western bloc has been drumming up this whole excuse that Russia is going to invade, right? So, so, and 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 he even went to went on to say that they're drumming this up as a way to provoke war. So even today, Russian Russian uh, not today, two days ago. Uh, Putin came out and said that Nord Stream 2 is not a geopolitical uh, warfare subject because, because I believe uh, Russian, uh, Russian, uh, Ukrainian, sorry, not Russian, Ukrainian leadership has been playing a very negative role in all of this because uh, the <clears throat> Zelensky, Vla, uh, Vladimir Zelensky has been drumming up this whole thing that he's turning everything into war. Even uh, speaking to BBC, I guess two days ago, he 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 claimed on 15th February, he claimed that uh, Nord Stream 2 was a ge- geopolitical uh, weapon and it is going to be used against Ukraine. Okay? Similarly, uh, similarly, uh, uh, Russia claims that there are exercises going on. On the other hand, Ukraine is saying that clearly there is shelling going on and. Uh, uh, Ukrainian rebel groups are being provided fully, being fully supported by, uh, the by the Russian Russian forces, right? So, what do you think is the outcome of this Western Western propaganda and this dump that are being beaten by the Western media for very long now? So, what is the end goal in your opinion? So, for starters, uh, as an individual, I never trust Western sources completely. Whenever I feel there's something that only the U.S. is propagating or only, you know, these Western countries that have vested interests in this region, whenever there's, uh, these are the only news sources that we find, you're, you, you just should, you know, there should be a bulb in your head that goes on. It's like, you know, you just should not believe them. But 
um, Zelensky himself, as you talked about him, uh, we see that while he has been touring the country and, you know, motivating the forces and telling Russia that in case of an invasion, we're fully ready to respond. Yeah. He also understands that his forces cannot put up a fight for, you know, very long. Uh, secondly, people in Ukraine themselves don't want a war. So as a politician, Zelensky understands that if he goes for, or he keeps propagating for a war, then eventually he's going to lose support because nobody wants war in this region even. Um, thirdly, are you, what did you just talk about? Nord Stream? And before that, I was going to respond to something. Um, I don't... Um, I think we've talked about Nord Stream to just a few days ago I was reading an article which was literally sponsored by Lockheed Martin which is a weapons producer so it tells you how it is in the interest of these companies to project Russia as a villain or Russia as a devil that is going you know that deserves to be trashed by the US or the West because it's their in business interests that are directly in the line or like on the line which is why all these people want the uh, masses to think that situation is really bad, that you know there should be a war, that we need to uh, sort of um, put an end to this Russian brutality. Uh, but yes, moving on to the rebels thing. Yes, that was what I wanted to talk about. Uh, so the Donbass region that we discussed right at the start, the part which Russia has some claims over and the part that Ukraine also has claims over, if you read a bit a bit about it, uh, Russia has been supporting elections in that region. Yes. So Russian government says that as a result of successive resolutions that it's had, let's have elections over there and let the people decide. But Ukrainian government understands that the majority of, of the major, you know, the large number of people in that region is Russian. So naturally, those people are going to support Russia in case of an election. And the Russian government says, uh, and I think I believe the resolution says something like. Uh, Russian Ukrainian forces having to uh, Ukrainian government having to pull back its forces and then there will be a referendum with a third party something like that and there's an air of mistrust between the two so Ukraine doesn't believe Russia to not take over once Ukraine pulls its forces back just how we have the situation between India and Pakistan in Kashmir you know there's an air of mistrust between the two which is why the resolution cannot be implemented exactly. so in Russia it is saying that let's have elections in the Donbass region which means Russia is giving democracy a chance so the U.S. does not have a reason to intervene or push Ukraine on this issue because the U.S. itself stands for democracy. So if your arch rival or your enemy is asking for elections, then you basically don't have a leg to stand on. So the rebels here, they also want elections. They also want, you know, to be given a right to self-determination. So Ukraine cannot have West key support or, you know, there's, there's basically no rationale for them to support the Ukrainian government because they're essentially stopping the process of peaceful transition of power. So when we look at it from the Russian lens, we see that, okay, Russia wants peace in that region. It is Ukraine that is not giving peace a chance. So it is the West that is not allowing for that peace to happen. So those rebels, these are the people who just want to join Russia. Let them have a referendum, let them decide, and then you might not even have this volatile situation in that region. So if we look Russian lens, but it's these two countries that are you know, not willing to sit on the table or it is the West that is not letting them reach a conclusion on that point because then U.S. ki power karegi Ukraine Right now, we see how U.S. and EU are constantly supporting Ukraine and how Ukraine is supporting them. It's Everything is happening simply in opposition to Russia, right? Yeah, so basically, uh, what you're saying is very interesting because 
Uh, there's this thing that Putin has been saying for a lot of time, a long time now, right? So he's been clearly very vocal about this idea that U.S. and and Russia, uh, Soviet Union at the uh, sorry, U.S. and Russia at the end of Cold War did a part where they where where West actually promised that NATO would not further expand eastward, right? So exactly. he says he says that NATO is going against that very pact, right? Or and he says that uh, once Ukraine is actually uh, annexed or or comes under NATO's control or in other words becomes a part of NATO, that would be a defeat uh, a defeat and going back on the promises of peace that were made in the post Cold War era. So I believe that there there I believe the West uh, the Russian Russian uh, government and Russian leadership is very right on its own because we believe that it has been expanding eastward. On the other hand, we see that uh, NATO claims NATO claims that uh, the Russian uh, army and Russian forces have been expanding westward into Ukraine and other otherwise there. Yeah? So they want they see Nord Stream two as a, as an extension of this very uh, uh, Russian expansion that that they're talking about okay so the very clash that they have today over there actually is that actually goes back to this very idea that both countries see each other as expansionists but but over time there have been a lot of diplomatic uh conferences between two countries nato has been uh we both know that uh, russia a long time ago i guess a year uh, Almost like five to six months ago, had expelled uh, NATO NATO from Russian uh, Russian embassies. Ah, uh, sorry, from from Moscow, and they said that uh, now, uh, now the whole uh, the Russian embassies, uh, NATO would not be allowed to continue uh, any diplomatic uh, negotiation between two bodies unless and until the promises of uh, promises of not putting no they actually use the word putting a permanent ban on ukraine from entering nato so when you see this this whole expansionist uh, arguments being made from both sides against each other so how do you see ke arguments because at the end of the day when we see it through a realist lens Expansion seems like something NATO would continue to do. But how do you see this happening? Because I don't think NATO is backing down anytime soon. I don't, yeah, I don't think NATO is backing down anytime soon either. But I also don't think that Russia is backing down anytime soon because NATO poses a special threat to Russia. Russia believes that if NATO is going to be present at its borders, then it's constantly going to be under scrutiny. Their satellites are going to be there, you know, Russia, US keeps asking for bases from countries like Pakistan, which is not even a member of NATO. It means that US wants to continue to increase its presence in the region, to keep an eye on Russia, to continue to um, limit its movement in the region, to make sure that Russia does not expand economically, financially, politically, diplomatically in any way, because it, it directly poses a threat to the US. And when U.S. already is dealing with another enemy like China, then it wants to make sure that it does not have a two-front war to fight with or to deal with. So 
so of course um, us is going to continue to back ukraine ukraine might continue to want to join nato and russia is obviously going to want to stop that but at the same time we also um, just a few days ago i was looking i was reading something up and it was i found it it was funny how the eu has not given ukraine a membership up till now you know eu has not allowed turkey to be a member up till now because we know that once it happens these people would want to move into other eu countries because of freedom of movement and we also see how nato has not allowed ukraine to join but is also you know continuing to fan the or sort of fan the fire to make sure that you know russia stays at a back foot we understand that all these organizations have a motive in not letting ukraine become a full member but also have an interest in not letting ukraine completely be out because they want to make sure that the issue is always hot the issue stays the, the situation stays volatile taki russia involved rahe sare issue mein taki so you know it would continue to pose a threat to russia and at the same time they would also keep ukraine in their control because that is how they managed to keep russia in check so of course ukraine would want to join nato ukraine would want to join eu but i also think that both the both these organizations will not let ukraine be a member because then they will also have to make certain concessions to this country they would also have to make um to you know allow them certain leverages to uh, and it's not in their interest to do so they also want to keep ukraine under their control to make sure that they have uh, some sort of check over russia so of course as far as as i can see this is how it's going to be maybe ye crisis thodi der baad bhi iske liye is tarah that ukraine might think okay maybe this is not the right time to join nato they might give up their demand for the time being but uske baad bhi ho sakta hai dobara ukraine demand karne lag jaye also because the political leadership in ukraine is on different ends of the spectrum so tomorrow someone might come who would think that you know it's in our it's much more in our interest to be aligned to russia because russia is our next door neighbor there are people who have ethnic and cultural similarities with russia so maybe you know let's join the russian bloc instead of the western bloc so of course anything can happen but for now um, if sense prevails ukraine should give up the demand to join nato at least right now yeah but uh, but when you say thing it it actually brings me to a very interesting point which i read in an article 2 to 3 days ago in anticipation of some such podcast so the article read that ukraine has this embedded into their uh, some sort of article which was part of their independence was it actually written that uh, entering nato is a sort of a goal for them right on the other hand uh, russia believes uh, uh, we've read articles and they have been uh, public speeches by putin who said that he believes that ukraine is spiritually and culturally a part of russia right so there's that as well but let's leave that for a moment because we believe ke this as this crisis evolves situation will tell us where where the camera will sit right ke oont kis covered baithega but um mera ab isse sawal na thoda sa broader than uh, us and russia ho jata hai because we see a lot of tensions being built between us and china as well right at the moment okay us and china are going through the similar phase jahan pe uh, us has been doing this thing or we had this kazakhstan issue not a while back where where actually uh, it was something that escalated very fast as well right but uh, but putin played very smart over there when he called back the whole uh, whole alliance from kazakhstan and and he played it very smart uh, with uh, with kazakhstan right 
but on the other hand we have this is- issue because over there we saw that us was very uh, very fast to get offensive against russia right then we see that in recent times us has been very fast and very much radically against uh, china as well so do you believe that in your in in, in your uh, analysis of international relations that a that a block formation has been going on because even in this ukraine crisis china has come forward and supported russia full uh, fully right and they've said nothing about ukraine this has said that uh, you, uh, russia's russia's military and security concerns are genuine legitimate and they must be uh, and they must be addressed accordingly so that that is somewhat what china said yeah so mera sawal ye hai ki how do you see this whole thing processing where uh, where there is a block there is a us block and there is a china chinese block and i see ke jo european union hai it is some it is stuck in between theek hai there is this there is this economic benefit yeah. that that you you gains from china russia and that the that eastern bloc right on the other hand we have us which actually supplies military and which which has a lot of uh, military power in the region or military control bots are there yeah, we, we saw last year ke germany mein there was this whole debate about how nato is something that can be debated right theek hai although this uh, the new government it actually is a little bit pro nato uh, compared to the last one i believe so it might be wrong i might be wrong but mera ye sawal hai ki ab jab ir ki hum dekh rahe hain ki kafi aise se hum dekh rahe hain block formations ho rahi hain to kya aya ye jo ye jo ek thoda event hai will it push these block formations even more further so this has the potential to turn into a cold war of course like we discussed earlier to hit the naturally blocks ban jate hain where one side supports russia one side supports ukraine and then countries the entire world is divided into two halves but personally i think the amount of interconnectivity between countries that exists right now i don't think that this very crisis will lead to an even bigger block formation because ek thodi si um you know block formation of sorts already exists karti hai where countries like pakistan are in chinese camp you know countries like india are in anti china camp it, it mostly has to do with china as opposed to russia if you see because countries that hate china are also friends with russia and countries that hate us are also or you know friends with china that sort of stuff you know where, where china is the one that is um that that is enabling these or that that is sort of marking how these blocks are formed and not russia you know what i'm trying to say that it's this regional hegemony that is sort of dividing these countries into blocks and not this particular russia ukraine crisis secondly um i don't think that their countries will outrightly be a part of russia or ukraine because of the eu crisis or the eu gas issue that we just talked about because eu cannot afford to completely demonize russia or completely support ukraine because their economic interests are at stake but when we talk about nato we've seen how many european union countries are not um giving or not contributing to nato the way they are supposed to and this is what trump also raised this issue that you know trump said that it is the us that is sort of bearing the brunt of this entire nato expense or this you know the us has taken has 
unjustly taken the responsibility of making sure that NATO continues to prosper because other countries are not contributing the way they're supposed to. I think it's 2% of your GDP that you're supposed to give to NATO every year, but countries are not doing that. So naturally, the entire burden was on the US. So Trump himself tried to uh, limit NATO movement or tried to limit NATO's whole role tha in the region. And um, this is what France has also been saying. France itself has been has not been taking proper sides in this whole Ukraine-Russia issue. France is sort of also trying to act as a mediator. So we see that within European Union, there are important EU countries that are not taking sides. So I don't think us kind of block formation will be the same Cold War at the time. We see that you know straight up Russian block, straight up US US block. I feel that in most case, in this case, most of the countries would try to act as mediators because their stakes don't have sides there. So you cannot just completely cut off your ties with the U.S. and be friends with Russia. You cannot completely cut off your ties with Russia and be friends with the U.S. If you take the example of India, India just got S-400 from Russia, which means India has major military you know, interest in Russia. But India is also a member of Quad and many other alliances with the U.S. India wants to make sure that Indian India is made against China. So we see that countries have multiple interests. So they cannot simply decide Ketsa because a border crisis between Russia and Ukraine. Let's just join the Russian bloc or let's just join the US or Ukrainian bloc. So I feel that the Cold War type ki bloc formation hogi because the interests are much more diverse now. Countries have to look out for themselves first before any other any other element because all of them are realists at the end of the day. Even the US itself is a big realist. So naturally, block formation is not going to Very interesting because uh, before we actually get to closing down, closing the topic, um, it is closer to home, right? Uh, when we talk about, you talk about how India has uh, interest, has its feet forth in uh, USA ship and Russian ship as well. Similarly, uh, it it uh, this whole this whole escalation has a very broad impact when you talk about Arabian Peninsula, right? Now, for example, let's take example of countries like Libya, Syria, and US uh, and uh, Saudi Arabia, right? Saudi Arabia is uh, has a big partnership in oil with Russia. On the other hand, it has a big uh, it has its military military support and economic a lot of its economic support comes from the west right the us in particular or uh, similarly it comes to when it comes to libya right which is itself not going through uh very good times right now um but on uh at the same time uh russia has bases very big bases in libya so th those bases could actually become sources of mobilization of army, right? If this co if this actually crisis escalates. Similarly, we have countries like Syria, right? Which is very close to uh, Israel, right? So uh, when you talk about this idea of escalation, I believe that this, this very crisis will not escalate itself because it's economic impact. When we talk about, we talk about how wheat uh, wheat exporters and a lot, a lot of Middle East region go subsidized wheat Russia or Ukraine. Se jata hai. Hai? Um, we talk about how there are militarily, is it does not make sense. We talk about how uh, mera ye, uh, we talk about how it does not make sense 
uh, in diplomatic diplomatically as well because uh, you said yourself that Ukraine does not want uh, that to happen or Russia itself also feels threatened by this whole thing or and in the economic sense we also talk about North North Stream too. So, how do you in three months in three months time Interesting. Um, I'm actually not sure. In three months time, definitely there is not going to be a war. That's what I would like to believe because I think sensible prevailing countries will not go for a war. But um, it is quite possible that Russia and Ukraine continue to hate each other on this issue and Ukraine keeps bringing up this issue of joining NATO again and again. But I do think that mediation is what's going to happen eventually. Countries like Turkey that are on good terms with both, countries like France that are also neutral, maybe even Pakistan. I'm not sure what Pakistan, how Pakistan deals with Ukraine. I really have no idea. But I think countries that are um, in the middle are the ones that are going to take charge eventually. And it is quite possible that Ukraine itself is going to tell the US to sort of back off a little because we saw such statements from Zelensky himself. Uh, the, if the domestic pressure rises, if the domestic pressure gets uh, even harder, and the Ukrainian population tells its government or pressures, uh, you know, presses its government to not let it turn into a full-blown crisis, then of course Ukraine might tell the U.S. to sort of not create panic, just how they did before. Or I think in three months' time, or you know, even one month's time, or maybe in a couple of days, because Russia likes to say that you know it's just a military exercise and nothing more. So if that turns out to be true and Russian forces go back, so maybe But the idea that Ukraine would want to join NATO, this might come up again and again because it is what Ukraine wants at this point. So of course, Russia is going to have to find a better way to deal with it as opposed to simply threatening them with invasion every time because this is, this, this is not how it's going to work every time. Of course, countries be at some point, neighbors be saying that please bust kar dein, mediation kar lein, sahi wali. Ek decide kar lein, to join karne deni hai, ya nahi karne deni. Or if you if you're gonna want if you're gonna let them join the EU, then just let it happen. If not, then just tell them, you know, you cannot join EU. It's not in our interest or it's not in your interest. So I don't think bar bar wala issue se raise hoga. I don't think um Russia and Ukraine are gonna come uh, close to a standoff every time. I think that once these military exercises of what Russia is calling them, they end, we can have a clearer picture of where these two countries stand. So in my humble opinion, this standoff is going to come to an end or probably Ukraine is going to drop its demand of joining NATO at this point. So in three months, in three months time, the world is most likely going to go back to how it was a month or so ago without any such crisis. Yeah. That's what I hope. I believe that uh, sanctions are definitely coming from the West on Russia. And uh, how? How, because, will those uh, how will because, those sanctions hurt the EU countries? Uh, Let's say Russia cannot import gas to, because of those sanctions, then what will the EU countries do? What will Germany do? Or is Germany just going to sit back and let those sanctions be slapped on Russia? Or will gas be slapped on Russia? That, that is that is the million dollar question right because uh because as of right now you uh european union even germany uh the olaf uh the, who's the german chancellor he's actually worked with us and some some sort of sanctions are already being presented okay 
and they're just waiting for the Russian uh, Russian side is actually supposed to make uh, some comments and counter offer uh, to US about how to end this issue diplomatically in a few hours. But uh, if that does not go in the direction that US seems to want it to, so I believe Russia, uh, sanctions might be in play uh, on Russia. But then again, uh, obviously, the, uh, we have to consider the fact, as you just said, that the impact of the EU and sanctions that remains to be seen. Um, but thank you so much, Ifra, for this amazing talk. Or uh, uh, We learned a lot today. Uh, I learned a lot today. Or, uh, I learned a lot from you. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so uh, before, at, in every podcast, I ask my guests this last question before they actually leave, which is recommend a book that would that you would like the readers to actually read and about any topic, not necessarily IR, any topic that you, any book that you want to the people. Oh, I'm just reading Hostility These Days by Abdul Basit. When a coffee it's a really nice book it gives you a, a brilliant perspective on how relationships between india and pakistan works and it also gives you a really good perspective on how the previous governments have been in their dealing with india and how they sort of put their interests before the country's interests everybody knows i'm a big pdi fan so it really annoys me when i read that book about how the prime minister or the foreign office dealt with this whole situation, how they put Kashmir on the back burner just because their own business interests were much more important. And it's not me who's saying it was the high, Pakistani High Commission in India who was said. So um, as someone who's always looked up to the foreign office, it really annoyed me to see how the foreign office worked because how unprofessional we are at times, just because we have this animosity or ego or, you know, this bureaucratic tussle between people so that book gives you a really good perspective on how things work in pakistan and it really makes you want to pull your hair out sometimes because you know if you could just go back in time and undo a few things then you know the kashmir situation might not have been what it is today it's a really nice book if people have not read it up till now they should give it a go they should give it a try you should read yeah. it too if you haven't. yeah i'll definitely add it to my reading list so thank you so much if Thank you so much, everyone, for uh, for tuning in and watching this episode. Uh, please like, share, and s- subscribe to Let's Talk Pakistan and help this podcast grow so that we can bring more amazing content for you in the future. Thank you and Allah Hafiz. Allah Hafiz.